Now we've got the superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools, Dr. Paul Peterson. Good morning. Good morning, Karen. It's always great to be here. It's good to see you. Yeah, well, how are things going? I was just mentioning to you when you came in a couple weeks ago at the start of the semester, both my boys had the COVID. And it was pretty rampant because I knew so many people that had it. We had it around the building here. And I hear that in the news anyway, they're saying things are slowing down. How is it looking in schools now? Because yeah, well, it was pretty bad, wasn't it, it? It was. It was rough, tough sledding there in January. It was was really, really uh, challenging. And we had numbers across the system that uh, that we've never seen before in this whole two-year process. And so the good news is that uh, it absolutely uh, appears as if we've come out of that. Um, just talking with our director of safety this morning, uh, this week, we, we haven't seen numbers as low as they are now since August. Maybe we've maybe they hit the peak because, like I said, it seemed like that week my boys had it. It was just like maybe the, the the high point. Right. So we're in single digits in every one of our schools, if if not at zero in all of our schools. And so um, we're we're really hopeful, and we're actually going to be sharing some information with uh, staff and families today about just changing and dialing back some of our mitigation in our elementary and middle schools that's been in place since the start of the school year, specific uh, specific to masking and just some of the other things that we had to put in place during that surge, which was... (laughs) It was something else. Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Do you know how many you had? I mean, was there, do you have any numbers at the high point? Oh, we we were in the hundreds um, every week, um, hundreds and hundreds. And um, at any point, because I know that that the debate was whether, do you go back online again? And you didn't make that shift because that was, I know it's real controversial with folks. And I've mentioned to you that the online was really hard for my kids. So you didn't though. We didn't. And what we, what we did do However, is we did make some more, um, more, uh, more of a scalpel approach to shutting down classrooms. You know, okay. we, we we didn't get to the point where we needed to shut down an entire school, move everything to online. But we did at at its height. We had a couple dozen classrooms across the district, K through twelve, that uh, were sent home for a few days, um, and thankfully the the threshold didn't continue to climb. Where we had, let's say, we had three kids in a classroom. Uh, that were infected. We shut that room down. Thankfully, that didn't go from three to six to nine to 12. Sure. We were able to nip that. Um, but that that helped us keep going in person for the massive majority of our kids and staff. Um, so our numbers are coming down. And, and quite frankly, we're also seeing a lot fewer staff members being absent. And that's allowing us to keep trucking here as well. Well, I'm sure that w- that was a big part of it is if you've got all the teachers out, and I know the, the issue of getting substitutes was very, very Hard. Yep, and that that will continue. We know that through the winter, and we're not out of this. We, we no, know that no, we, we. <laughs> we need to keep monitoring. We're that. hopeful. We're very hopeful. Um, we want to do things as typical and as, um, if the word is normal, as as possible. And and thankfully, our kids have had a pretty darn normal school year, except for some of these little blips. Um, we're hoping that uh, what we're seeing in the last couple weeks now is the new norm. With infection, and uh, before you know it, we'll be in the spring, and uh, we'll be we'll, we'll be getting through the school year. Are they still masking? Because I know here at MSU, we that's required to masking, and I think for a while, I know that my kids in high school were masking. Right, and and at the high school, we've been successful in having a mask uh, uh, recommendation. Okay, where some kids are masking, some kids and staff staff aren't, um, and we've had have uh, times during this current school year where we've had to implement a mask requirement because mm-hmm. the cases were just too high. Um, our high schools are now again back at mask recommendation, and that's what we'll be moving to now across the system starting next week with that 
everyone who's interested um, in wearing their mask, that will con continue to be supported and promoted. Um, but now that our system is, uh, everyone has been eligible to receive the vaccine, um, our school board um, is interested in helping to make this move. So um, our whole system is under a recommendation and not a requirement. In terms of, uh, you, you mentioned the recommendation, mm -hmm. you may go back at some point, mm -hmm. if, depending on just kind of watching the numbers. Right. I think East High School has um, instituted a mask requirement twice this year. West, okay. we did it once. Central, we had a couple times where we needed to put the mask on for a couple weeks. Okay. Um, and you know what? That worked. The, the numbers came back down. And kids and staff, they understood that, okay, if, if we can pull together and do this for a short period of time, um, help get those numbers in check, we'll, we'll be able to have the option of wearing them. And we do in, in all of our schools, um, in our middle, in, I'm sorry, in, our, in all three of our high schools, we have students and staff who have worn a mask all year. Right. Just because they're more comfortable in doing that. We did the parent-teacher conferences on Monday, and some did, had their masks, some didn't. We yep. wore ours just because that's, you know, what, what we're comfortable with, and, right. and that's okay. Uh I know that the the pandemic has affected a lot of kids. We were talking about this earlier with Dr. Edward Inch, president here at Minnesota State, of how it's affected the mental health of students mm -hmm. in college. And it's no different in the high school area. And I see in an article in this week's paper, the Mankato School District is now going to get a, a mental health, I guess, professional that's going to be a part of the school to help students, and it was because of a donation. Let's talk a little bit about this. What is this, and, and what does this mean for yeah, the, well, the, well, universe, or the, the school? That's great, and how timely it is that Dr. Inch was here earlier this morning because at, when when we speak with MSU officials and, and just this last week being um, in a meeting with Dr. Inch, we both were sharing that the, the mental health challenges that we see at K-12 um, get passed then right along. Um, into the higher education system. And so there, there are complications, not necessarily for our symptoms, for our systems, but really for, for these kids who are, who are really needing something different um, given the, the, the challenges of society right now. And so we were approached by the Greater Mankato United Way just a few weeks ago. This is something that's really new. It, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's new and it's, it's exciting that not everything takes so all dang long to right, put red together. Tape. <laughs> right. Uh, so Barb Kaus and Elizabeth Harsick came to us and said they had been holding community sessions for the last few months and asked, what's the biggest need? Mm -hmm. Everything kept coming back to mental health. Really? And mental health okay. of kids uh, and the mental health of, of really our community. And so they asked what would be um, important. And, and what they had been hearing is that the services provided at the school level to both kids and their families are critical. But also what they were hearing is that there's a tremendous amount of, of behind-the-scenes connecting work within the community that takes a lot of time, mm -hmm. um, a lot of time behind a computer, on the phone, filling out paperwork. And what, where really we want our social workers and our therapists to be working with kids. Versus sitting doing paperwork and... Exactly. Yeah. And so the idea came out of this, the, the concept of a community navigator where the United Way... Um, would fund, along with a couple other key community partners, a position um, that would provide that connection for our kids and families to the behavioral health services within the Mankato area. Um, so another set of hands, another set of eyes, and a, uh, another set of ears for our families so they can get connected with resources. Sometimes those resources are in our schools, but sometimes they're not. Well, I was going to ask you that because schools do have... Uh, 
counselors. Right. And that's part of what I assume counselors do is work with the kids with mental health issues or that sort of thing. So what is this extra layer then? What is, I mean, how is that going to help them? I assume this is for, for all the schools. That's right. And so, and, and, and right on that, in our schools, whether it's counselors or social workers or school psychologists, they have tremendous talent and tremendous skill in working with kids on a whole range of issues. Some of them are quite acute. Um, where it's just a there's a flare up and they need some time and attention. Others are more ongoing. There are also those issues that kids are um, dealing with in their life that go well beyond the scope of what a school can provide and probably should provide. And that's where we need to rely on the mental health professionals within our community. People who are working in community um, as psychologists, psychiatrists, um, therapists, that uh, we know are out there. They might be county-based. They might just be private providers. Um, but we need to make sure that we have a um, more than just a phone number for people to call, but we can do a hand, uh, kind of a hand uh, trade-off. Match them up to Match the them right up. appropriate and, sources. Right, and and that's the, uh, that's the hope of a position like this. So it was the United Way that provided, I think, $50,000 for the role in the Mankato Clinic and Mayo Clinic Health System are each contributing 12500 for a year. So at this point, this position is for a year. Yep. This is a one-year um, infusion. Um, and if you add all that up, that's $75,000. And that, that is going to allow the district to hire somebody. Okay. And so we're, we haven't hired anybody yet. We haven't. We're in the market right now to find this community, community navigator. And uh, what the United Way has told us and what we've promised to them is we are going to collect data, both qualitative and quantitative, to see what the impact is. We know that a position like this is going to be of value to parents, uh, to kids. Uh, we also need to be realistic that it's one person. It's one uh, one position. But uh, who knows? Maybe this is something that can grow into something else, if, especially if it, works, yeah. if it is addressing a community need. So what are you looking for in this person? So anybody listening, maybe they know somebody. What kind of qualities or things is this person going to have to be doing? Well, the probably the... One of the the best features of a position like this is that they are going to have to be highly connected into the current system. Um, community. In, mm-hmm. Into the current community so they know what those resources are. It doesn't mean people can't learn those. Right. But uh, this isn't something that we're looking to uh, learn, a little, uh, learn a lot about for nine months and then spring into yeah. action. Yep. The need is there right now. And so I think having a good understanding of the resources that are available to uh, kids and families within our community Maybe having a sense as to how a school system works, not the inner workings of classes, but just how counseling and social work um, needs are met within a school system and then what that handoff could look like. Maybe some experience in working in different institutions or organizations where you kind of have a foot in both worlds. So there's an understanding and then just being really flexible and understanding that family needs um, are unique. Every student that we are privileged to serve within our school district is an individual. We see them as an individual person. And so there's not a one-size-fits-all, especially when it comes to mental health. In terms of the timeline, what are you hoping to, to get this going? Same question that we asked the United Way. Oh, okay. And when we asked, uh, when we asked Barb and Elizabeth about it, uh, you know, we were thinking maybe, are, are we looking at next school year? And they said, why would Sooner. we, why would we yeah. wait? Let's get going on this. So okay. we're out there right now. Okay. And so as, as soon as we're able to recruit, interview, make a selection, get people um, inducted into the, the, the role, um, we'll move forward with this. And so I think anytime this late winter, early spring, we should be looking for implementation. 
what are some examples of issues maybe you've seen in the school or teachers have seen or counselors have seen in the school districts that show that there is this need? Yeah, I think that, you know, the obvious ones are um, high levels of anxiety and depression, um, stress of kids, um, entering into um, environments that they traditionally have been maybe pretty comfortable in, uh, whether it's with uh, with the school setting or with their social um uh, with, with their with their friends or with their family, uh, COVID nineteen and the and the pandemic and its its lingering effects have really um, really given I guess all of society some some different uh, outcomes, and I think that our kids, especially as they develop their brains and as they develop into um, fully functioning adults, have hit some hit some roadblocks, and so yep. just help sometimes helping kids process through change. Um, and in some cases, really disruptive change um, are things that uh, we know. And, and anxiety and depression are one thing, but when those escalate into more severe and more serious, uh, significant with, mm-hmm. say, suicide ideation, uh, we want to make sure that we're not missing any kid um, and getting them the, the help and the services that they need and deserve. Now, as a parent, I'm a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, and they do have those different supports, and we've had him since, you know, he's been very, very young, and that has been critical in his terms of his education. And I feel like a lot of kids that maybe aren't in that that funnel of, you know, kids that are getting extra attention, now mm-hmm. there's more kids that are getting some of those anxieties and things mm-hmm. that those are the ones that you maybe don't think of because they don't have any label, so to speak. And so those are, it's becoming more needed to, for just kids in general. Yeah, that that's really interesting, Karen, and I, and I think that you're right. I think traditionally we think of schools especially being these academic institutions at the K-12 level where kids are going to be provided content and skill mm-hmm. to prepare them for po- potentially college. And then there are these subsets, like perhaps maybe special education where mm-hmm. there's a little, maybe a, a different approach to how we well, or how we approach kids. And they get supports. Of and and types. they get supports. And what we've realized and what we've found, and, and maybe this has always been the case, that the social development, the emotional development of children, whether they have disabilities, whether they are fully abled, what, how, however they show up to our schools, um, all kids to a certain extent have those needs. And so you're seeing a tremendous amount of time and attention and resources, including money, being focused on this concept of social emotional learning. And really um, understanding that that is the foundation for all kids. If, if we're not taking care of their social and emotional well-being, the academics are going to be really tough for us to crack, um, as opposed to schools being all about the academics. And then, well, we can throw in some supports if, if necessary. We've really needed to, and rightfully so, had to, had to turn that on its ear. What are some other things going on in the schools that maybe people aren't aware of that's happening right now? Well, you know, we're as 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 we're now into um, the throes of winter and we're kind of peeking ahead to to, to look at spring. Second semester has started. Um, that's yep. a big deal in our high schools as kids are generating credits and um, especially for those seniors as they're, they're, I have one of them. Yep. <laughs> they're looking at that light at the end of the tunnel, and you know, those all, all of the courses are are really important as they're generating credits towards graduation. Um, the co-curricular activity schedule is has blown up. I mean, this is the time of year where 
virtually every day of the week. We're, we're, we're still pretty protective of our Wednesday nights, but pretty much every other uh, night um, there is something, whether it's in athletics or fine arts or academic-based activities. And those are really kind of the um, the things that provide a little bit of the spice of life in the, the doldrums of winter. And so it's it's been great to see our kids engaging in those activities. Um, and so it, as, as we then move into the spring, we start getting our site set as a system on obviously the next school year and, and whatever that will bring related to COVID and, and the pandemic. But we're really hopeful that uh, the current downtick in our numbers is a sign that we're going to continue to make progress you know, across society so we can um, keep things moving forward for our kids. We happen to have an alpine skier, so we know about those, those, those fun things and it kind of helps, like you said, with the doldrums because it does get kind of long in the winters, believe me. Excellent. Especially if you like outdoor sports, which I, I'm not a fan of the cold <laughs> myself. But So I was just curious, you know, in terms of strategic planning, are there mm-hmm. other things that are uh, in the plans now for uh, legislatures going on? Are you looking for specific things in terms of uh, financing from the legislature? And what what's, does that look like right we, now? We sure are. Thank you for asking about that. Our school district has adopted a legislative platform that we've shared with all of our legislators. Um, we've spoken with all of our reps and our senators that are up in St. Paul. They've got a big job um, uh, with the bonding bill, and we also know that uh, they're sitting on a surplus and trying to figure out what to do with $7-plus billion. Uh, K-12 public education is going to be right there um, asking and advocating for the needs of our kids. Um, do we have any specific projects or anything that we're looking forward we to? We do. We, we, we have uh, specific asks of the legislature um, specific to... Um, special education. There's a tremendous amount of dollars, multi-millions here in Mankato that goes to fund the cross-subsidy of dollars that aren't funded at the federal or at the state level that local taxpayers are paying. Um, Happy to pay it, and we should be doing everything that we can for it. So what does that do then? Well, at the state level, um, especially with the excess dollars that they have, um, the cross-subsidy here for Mankato Area Public Schools is over $7 million a year. So what does that mean? Right. So that, that means that on an annual basis, our general fund of dollars um, takes $7 million out of that fund to address the shortfall that we receive from the federal and state government for special education funding. Oh. It's dollars that are supposed to be coming to schools, but um, for whatever political reasons at the federal or state level or they run out of money, um, we are still required to provide those special education services. And, and as I said, we're happy and we're committed to doing that. But $7 million a year. That's a big That's a big, amount. right. That then means if, if those dollars are coming from a different source, we're able to take those dollars and spend it on other things here to enhance the educational programming for all of our kids. So that's a key legislative action item that we'd like to see our our uh, state uh, pick up this year. And quite frankly, they have the money to do it. They, they can uh, provide significant dollars to public schools across Minnesota to address the cross-subsidy, um, and that would go uh, a long way. But uh, most of the other parts of our agenda or the political uh, platform that our school district has adopted is all around what we were just talking about earlier, and that's the mental health of kids. Okay. Um, funding positions, providing flexibility. Um, there is. We know that the labor market is tight, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be out there looking for every counselor, therapist, psychologist to get into our schools to help support the needs of our kids. But I would also say that our staff um, have have challenges related to mental health as well, and we can't have staff members walking off the field um, at such a critical time for public education. We need to make sure that we're taking care of them, 
getting them the support that they need. And so we're also uh, asking the, the legislature to step up in that area. Has the pandemic and everything that surrounds it affected your graduation rates at all? Have you noticed more kids dropping out or has anything happened like that? Thankfully, no. And really statewide, uh, districts like Mankato have been very, um, very fortunate that we've been able to hang tight when it comes to graduation. There's always some leakage when you've got disruptive things like, say, a pandemic. Um, But if you remember those earliest days of, you know, two years ago, with all of the the concern and the care and the wraparound that was happening across the state, we really shepherded those seniors um, across that finish line and made sure that they were held harmless for something that they were um, obviously not uh, not not at fault for. Last year, similar things, but the the uh, graduation dips a little bit. But uh, given the fact that we were in a in a pandemic, we were quite satisfied and. And we also have students who come back for that fifth, sixth, seventh year, um, um, whether it's through our traditional system or through ABE and getting their GED, and, and we've got great programs for that. And then this year, our senior class numbers are looking good. I think our counselors and our principals would tell you that it's always a race to the finish, and there's always uh, some students that they are doing everything they can to help them, mm-hmm. um, because what a great feeling that is to walk across that stage for a kid to know that they did it. Will it, it be in person this year, do you think? We're, that that is definitely the plan. Because was it last year? It no? was. It, it was. was. Okay. We were we were uh, really fortunate to be able to have in person ceremonies for Central, East, and West. Um, East and West was down at the Civic Center, uh, okay. the Ma- uh, Mayo Health System Civic Center here in town, and uh, we're looking forward to doing a big event again. But of course, everything will be driven by our, our numbers, right. COVID recommendations and guidance. So uh, we'll wait and see. But if if last spring. Was any indication? Uh, we're hopeful we, again. We, we sure are. That's absolutely true. <laughs> well, we got a, a senior, so we're looking forward to that. Already signed up for college in the fall, so we're, you know, that's kind of cool. Do you do you have any records of how many of students go on to additional education versus go on to work? Yeah, high numbers. We're, we're well over 75% of the kids are, um, in Mankato Area Public Schools who, after they graduate, are going on to the next level of learning. Um, we also try to do, um, and we're going to get a little more sophisticated this over the next few years, to try to do some tracking for students. Um, gap years are becoming more and more um, uh, taking the break. Popular, the yep, taking okay. the break. And so, if a student, when they're a senior, um, is filling out a survey that says, oh, "I'm not going to college," well, that might be their answer when they're 18. But what about when they're 19? Okay. Um, and so, you know, we we have to uh, be able to collect that data. Um, and we know that college, whether it's four-year, two-year, that's not for everyone. Some people go right into the world of work. Some people look at the military. Some people are taking gap years. And uh, we want to make sure that whatever a student aspires to do or be, they're prepared for it. And that's really the the mission and the commitment that our high schools have as kids get close to graduation. And aren't there more classes that are designed now in the high schools for students to go out into some of maybe the trades, whether right. it's welding or things like that. It seems to me that's something I've heard about that there, there's a big need for that. So some people are saying invest in that to help kids get that experience. Right. I think that high schools especially um, have really adopted a, a the concept is known as uh, career pathways. And that doesn't mean that a student when they're a ninth grader or 10th grader is locking themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that Kids change their mind. Adults change their mind as oh, to yeah. what they want to do, what they want to be. Well, I was going to be a famous singer at one point. Well, there you go. And look at I'm on the radio. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but we also uh, don't want a student to graduate, you know, after they get that diploma. And then we don't want that to be the first time they have the conversation. Yeah. Well, not, well, not what? Yeah. 
And so high schools um, have great opportunities. East, West, and Central all have three solid programs where kids can dabble. They can take some exploratory courses, but then they can also take some more intensive pathways um, in health sciences or agriculture or engineering or tech. Um, So if that is a passion, if it is an interest, and they want to have that passion become more of a profession, there's a there's a path forward for them and they as we know the Mankato area has some exceptional institutions for them to just walk right into sometimes with credits in hand to keep their education going I know I was always surprised when I came to Mankato how little there was dedicated to agriculture Mm. and and I know it's more recent years that you've actually added that as a program and think that's just really neat because we are an agricultural oriented community down here. So, I mean, I, my son took the, the plant science. Yeah. Of course, that's something he loves. He would have never probably been able to do that before and and some of those other sorts of courses. So that seems to be more of an emphasis now. It emphasis really, too. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, if, like like you said, the, here we are in south central Minnesota, the mecca of uh, agriculture, the green seam region. Mm-hmm. Um, Mankato Area Public Schools needed to step up its game and make sure that our kids... Um, are actually learning about things that are relevant to the community in which they live. And so um, we've got two exceptional ag instructors now across our system, um, but that's just the start of a program. I mean, we're, we're really hoping that we can drive that down even more into our middle school programming. And so kids can, um, again, not that everyone will get into ag, but the, the data would suggest that there's a lot of people who have um, jobs across our region. They might not be working in the field, but their job is connected Related. to agriculture, and we Act- need to make sure they're prepared. I'm excited about getting that that greenhouse open. I yeah. just talked to uh, Ethan Dato, the the ag professor, said I might come to you for some advice because you know just my background in that's that. That's right. So I'm really excited to to see that that's a, a new thing at the the school as well. Yeah, and it's a great visible uh, you know acknowledgement to people who are driving by that this is a uh, this is a part of our curriculum. It's part of uh, what our kids are learning about. And as our numbers would suggest, there's a lot of interest. Um, But that interest is driven maybe by the content, but it's also driven by exceptional teachers. You mentioned Ethan. Um, Boy, he's a a, what we like to call a kid magnet. They just are attracted to people who care passionately and just a genuine good human being. And kids want to be around those folks. And there are a lot of great teachers, I will say, that we've had that experience. Anything else you'd like to add? We've been talking with Dr. Paul Peterson, the superintendent of Mankato area public schools anything before i let you go you know just at at the school board level probably before the next time i'm here um our school board will be celebrating or will be celebrating um uh, school board uh, appreciation week we'll have a new school board member here in a couple weeks bukata hayes was appointed by our district or by our school board um they they were he was selected and so he'll be seated now at the next meeting and so we will be back to a seven-person board and uh and that's a temporary interim position a one-year a a one-year uh appointment and uh, Bukata can then decide this summer if he'd like to file for the four-year position. Um, so we're looking to be uh, at full force um, with our school board. And um, our board has also started the uh, coffee conversations on the weekends. They had their first one uh, a week or so ago um, over at Lincoln Community to more uh, talk with community members as opposed to just listen during the open forum sections of so the school board. What? tell me about that. Can yeah. How can people get involved? Yeah, so we post uh, the dates and the times and the locations all on our social media. And uh, that was really a, a, an idea that our board had to make sure that the community understood that um, while very interested and, and 
and happy to have people show up at open forum for a school board meeting, that's really not an opportunity for them to have a conversation. It's just a one way. People have three minutes to say whatever they want for the most part. Um, The Saturday coffee conversations are an actual dialogue. So we had the first one, had about 40 people show up and uh, we had three board members there. And uh, I think everybody there learned a lot. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for your time and you got to go back to school and I've got got another guest. So thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Bye-bye.